Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. These Christmas carols that we sing, they're so beautiful and they're so deep. I, I love them. And Silent Night just, just touches me deeply. Um, there are many legends about the origin of this beautiful Christmas carol. Um, it was created out of catastrophe. They were ready for the Christmas Eve service. It was to be happening in the, the snowy hills of Austria. And there was an assistant minister, Joseph Moore, uh, M-O-H-R. How do I pronounce that properly? Moore? Moore? Um, he was in a small church in Salzburg, and he discovered that the church organ was broken down. So there would be no music that night. Without an organ, how could the choir sing um, their special anthems? How would the congregation be able to sing at all? So uh, Pastor Moore turned for help to the choir master. Back in the days, they had choir masters. I believe we had choir masters here, too, back in the day. The choir master's name was Franz Gruber. And together, Moore created the words. Franz Gruber created the lovely music that created a special song for Christmas Eve that could be played on the guitar. And the... Beautiful. And the song is Silent Night. And a tradition was born. One of the reasons I believe this hymn is so beloved because it pictures sort of a perfect Christmas. Perhaps a Christmas that none of us have ever experienced. What would make a perfect Christmas for you? Turn to the person beside you and tell them one thing that would make this Christmas perfect. You have 20 seconds. The person beside you, what would make Christmas perfect for you? <laughs> Mike, <laughs> what would make Christmas perfect? Peace, joy. I bet, I don't know, how many of you said perfectly behaving children? How many of you said disaster-proof meals that don't get burnt on Christmas? How, how about fresh, beautiful, white snow that causes no travel delays? Uh, I know Julie's looking forward to family coming from uh, California. Some of you have family visiting, and there's nothing more than Californian relatives want more than Canadian snow. Unfortunately, it looks like they're going to have brown Canadian grass, but that's the way it goes. How about uh, unwrapped gifts in an orderly and planned sort of manner? That's a, that's a perfect Christmas. How about a church service with your favorite hymns and a very short sermon? Is that what, would that make it perfect? It sounds ideal. We all know the reality of Christmas is often far from ideal. Children cry. Children get cranky. Dishes pile up. Part D does not fit into part A as it shows on the piece of paper. And we forgot that the batteries were not included. It happens every Christmas. The soloist for Christmas Eve comes down with laryngitis. This sounds more like the Christmases that I'm used to. Um, reading the birth narrative in Luke's Gospel makes me wonder if the hymn that we just sang isn't correct. What was happening around the birth narrative when Jesus was born? Let's look at it. The head of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census was to be taken in the entire Roman world. 
He declared that everyone had to go to their hometown and sign up for the census, everyone in the whole empire. Um, can you imagine everybody going back to your hometown? I would come back to St. Catharines from wherever I am in the world and sign. Um, why do you think everyone had to go back to their town? Do you think they were just signing a census? In reality, it was all about money. The Caesar, the Roman emperor, wanted everybody to go back to their town. You had to register for your land. You had to register for the people in your family. Based on your land and your family, you paid taxes. Taxes. No GST. This was a, a, a Caesar tax, a, a tax for the empire. And um, everyone had to go to their town. So unlike us, we would go online and fill it in. In those days, you had to go. They had to go to pay for their property and their people. Imagine the highways and the railroads and the airports when that happened. Can you imagine what it was like? There were no highways, railroads, or airports. There were paths and small roads, some Roman roads. Paintings and movies often, so you know the little picture of, of Mary and Joseph and, a, and a, little, a little donkey in the desert, all alone. I think it was more like the QE on Thanksgiving weekend. There weren't that many roads, were there? This, is, this was in ancient times, and everyone had to go from where they were to where they uh, had property or, or wherever they called them. I think it was... Um, it was a very difficult sort of jammed traveling season. Travel would have been difficult. Imagine Mary, nine months pregnant. No protection from the wind. No heated seats. No cup holders. <laughs> Can you imagine on that donkey? Um, she traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So... I'm not sure which route she took. The route that that shows is over towards Jordan and along the um, uh, River Jordan. River Jordan, and, uh, uh, But I suspect she went over this way um, because um, Highway 6 goes through, uh, goes through um, Tel Aviv up to Haifa and down. And it's a 200-kilometer um, journey. Uh, it takes about two and a half hours in the tour bus. From um, if you went from Jerusalem up to Nazareth, Nazareth is beautiful, a beautiful city. They say it probably um, it probably took them between three and seven days, three and seven days. Mary and Joseph would arrive in Bethlehem, packed with people coming home. Whole families would have arrived with children and servants. Not everyone would be able to fit into the rooms. So if you've been to the Holy Land, you know oftentimes houses have courtyards. I'm sure the courtyards were full of people, bustling with fires and cooking and, and people trying to get sleep and meeting one another. Peace and quiet would be the last thing you would find in Bethlehem. And it's the same today in Bethlehem. I think I, I threw in a couple pictures there of Bethlehem last time I was there. There you are. If you go to Bethlehem on the main road up to, um, up to uh, the Church of the Nativity, you'll find Stars and Bucks Cafe. Something tells me Starbucks did not approve that. 
So that's where Mary and Joseph would have stopped for a latte en route to the cave. Next picture, this is Bethlehem. So that's the church of the nativity. Lots of walls. In order to get there, you have to go through razor wire. Huge, huge, the walls that get you into the protected territories. Machine guns. It, graffiti. It is a scary process to go in to Bethlehem. Next. There we are. That's the star at the bottom of the church where they say the the manger was. There's a silver star. And people get down and they kiss that star. I did not kiss the star. Next. Oh, there's, yeah, the nativity nativity store. There's um, everything, all the business is now around the nativity. Next. And there's, there's guards and guns. That's inside the church. And Sarah and I and a bunch of friends, we stood for hours going down, pushing and shoving, trying to get down to see where Jesus was born. There was no peace in Bethlehem that day when we were there. Stables would have been filled when Jesus was there with the caravans of all the animals, all the travelers. Space available for the young people would have been, for the young couple, Joseph and Mary, would have been limited. Once Mary went into labor, calm and peace would be completely disappeared. Now, traditionally, men had little to do with the birth. They stood back, so Joseph probably would not be there at the birth. I know in our manger scenes we have Joseph and Mary and and the baby. Um, I suspected he was off in the courtyard while she was being cared for. She would not have come alone, but uh, there would be other women who would have cared for her. First, you would have heard Mary's cries, and then the newborn cries, and finally the singing of the women celebrating the sexful birth of a beautiful boy, a boy born in a time, a desperate time in Bethlehem. According to custom, the baby would have been washed, then rubbed with salt, and then tightly wrapped in what's called swaddling clothes. It's a long piece of linen that's used to wrap babies and broken limbs. Um, It's mentioned twice in Luke, uh, Luke 2, 7 and 12. It's it's called spargano. Spargano is a special wrapping cloth. And they used it to wrap babies. They believed if you wrap them really tight that it makes them straight and strong for the rest of their lives. Um, So the manger would have been a place, a rough-hewn sort of ledge made out of stone. Joseph would have waited in the courtyard for the baby to come out. Then they would have laid the baby uh, in the manger. So on this stone, probably with some grain or some grass underneath the baby. There would have been little rest for Mary or Joseph or baby Jesus that night. Very little rest, very little quiet. And then... Angels came to the shepherds. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream.
the fields outside of Bethlehem. It would have been a, a normal Israeli night. The shepherds were guarding their flocks out in the open countryside. And uh, I think we have the sound of sheep in the countryside. Try to fall asleep to this. So the shepherd were guiding their sheep, gathered around a fire, with the sheep around them, some talking to each other, trying to stay awake, others trying to fall asleep because it was their turn to sleep. The streams of travelers were coming to Bethlehem. The shepherds would have watched all of these people coming until it became quite dark and, and the travelers would stop coming. Suddenly, whatever quiet and rest the shepherds were enjoying in the midst of uh, all of the sounds of the sheep would be the shattering of the dark by the appearance of an angel. It says that the angel appeared, they were terrified, there was a brilliant light surrounded by the glory of God. It was strange, it was overwhelming, the shepherds would have cowered, and imagine what the flocks would have done, they would have just scattered at this. So much for peace for the shepherds and the sheep. What did the angels say? Well, the angels said what angels always say when they talk to people, the first thing they said was, do not be afraid, fear not, because angels freak you out. Just so you know, angels, when you first see them, you're fearful. You don't know what to make of them. They say, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior is born, and he's the Messiah, he's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So rather than running after their flocks, who no doubt had scattered, the shepherds ran instead to the busy village of Bethlehem as they were instructed by the angel. I'm hearing, I'm hearing the sounds of Bethlehem from the nursery. Oh, yeah. So the angels told them, go have a look. Luke 2.15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that we've been told, of, this thing that's happening, which the Lord has told us about. Now, if there's one thing that shepherds don't do, they don't leave their flocks alone and go into the city to look in caves for babies. They don't do that. This is not normal, but they did. After much searching, they found the newborn baby and his family in a stable. So I'm sure it was surrounded by men and women celebrating the birth. The shepherd added to the confusion, sharing the good news that the angel had told them. Imagine these shepherds, these, I, I, I suspect they were wearing jeans, you know, and there they were, there they were in the, in the stable saying that an angel spoke to us. And all who heard were amazed, not just by the message, but that God had chosen to speak to shepherds. Shepherds bore the message of Christ. God spoke to shepherds. Shepherds are simple people. I'm a simple person. Shepherds are generally uneducated people. 
I have way too much education, but I'm a simple man. The shepherds are reliable people that you can trust with your flocks, with your life, with your business. You trust shepherds. I think the shepherds would have been good Mennonites. Amen? Strong, reliable, godly people that you could trust. In the midst of the turmoil, only Mary was really listening, it seems. She found a moment of peace, and uh, Luke 2 says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Happy shepherds left. They came, they spread the news, they saw the baby, they prayed, and they went back to the sheep. It's a, it's a beautiful story. After a period of celebration, the shepherds returned to the fields, energetic as they came, dancing shepherds, joyful that they had seen this child king, that they had seen love's pure light. Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus Lord. We all want a perfect Christmas, but I don't know if it really exists. Not even the first Christmas was perfect. The good news is that Christmas doesn't need to be perfect to be Christmas. God doesn't wait for perfection to bestow his love. He doesn't wait for us to be perfect to love and forgive us. God's Son loves pure light, comes regardless of and in the varied midst of our catastrophes, our squabbles, our confusion, our everyday life. He comes to me as I am. He comes to you this Christmas as you are, and he loves you. I'm disappointed in Martin Luther. He wrote a song called Away in a Manger. There's a verse, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky. I started way too low. <laughs> and stay by thy cradle till morning is nigh. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Those of you who have had newborn babies, when your baby wakes up, is there a chance of crying? Yes. As your baby is falling asleep, is there a chance of crying? Yes. Is there a chance of crying just about any time when you have a newborn baby? Yes, yes. Bring them to church in a quiet sanctuary. They will cry. They will cry. Martin Luther wrote that line, no crying he makes, 
I believe that Jesus cried. I know he, he wept over Jerusalem, and I bet he cried as a baby. Trust me, when a newborn baby fusses, we had a, our staff party this week, and the babies were so great, and the house was, was a disaster. It was a disaster. And we made uh, gingerbread houses, and baby Jeremy was good until he had to leave the party. And he did not want to leave the party. Oh, he woke the neighborhood up. You know, tempers get short, side dishes get burnt, babies start to cry. Houses look like a disaster in the morning. That's Christmas. Christmas is a disaster. And we love it. We love it. It's not perfect. Bethlehem was not perfect. It was crowded. A baby was born without a house to stay in. Shepherds leave their flocks defenseless and search through the city for a cave to find a newborn. We seek the special, the peaceful, the calmly prepared moments that we trust God gives us, and he does give us calm and peace. But in my life, God comes to me in the ordinary distractions of life, in my busyness, in the moments of tension, in the midst of problems and mistakes. God brings us peace today. Amen. It's right ahead of us. Peace is right ahead of us. Let me grab a little something. There's a story, um, 1914, Christmas Day, and um, there's a war going on, a world war, World War I, and they're in the trenches in Europe, and it's Christmas Eve, and the soldiers are tired and cold and exhausted. And there's, there are battle lines between the Brits and the Germans. And out of the, as the story goes, out of the uh, trenches on the British side, a tenor starts to sing Silent Night in a beautiful tenor voice. And then, out of the German trenches, comes someone singing Stille Nacht with a beautiful bass voice. And um, you know the song was written in German. It was meant to be sung in German. And they, out of nowhere, the, the troops got out of their foxholes and out of their trenches and came up and they, they created what they called the Christmas, um, what was it? Christmas miracle or the Christmas truce. They, they'd have, they wanted peace and they were going to bring peace. And so they sang, uh, they sang Silent Night and I think that you can't sing Silent Night in English. You've got to sing it in German.
God comes regardless of our circumstances, only by and through our open heart to him. Regardless of what's going on, he comes to us and he says, receive my peace. May the Prince of Peace enter your hearts and your homes this Christmas, bringing you the gift of hope and love and joy and peace. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you that there is no need for perfection in our lives to receive your peace. Give us your heart that we would seek peace. Give us your hands that we would be peacemakers. Now, Father, fill us with the wonder of Mary and with the obedience of Joseph. Fill us with the joy of the angels, the eagerness of the shepherds, and the peace of the Christ child this morning. Amen. listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.